0: From Variety, celebrating more than 115 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Award Circuit Podcast.
2: It's invisible to me, I have no idea. It's such a strange thing, because it's an event that happens in everybody's house without me being even aware of it, you know? I think it's very ungraspable, and so I'm really grateful for being able to also go to the film festivals. It's
3: a lonely profession yeah. director, and you're the one that turned on the light to open mm-hmm. the bar. You're the one cleaning the vomit at the end of the day, (laughs) and you turn off the light, so So you like to see the customers.
0: Veteran filmmakers Jane Campion and Guillermo del Toro are still getting used to how movies are released and viewed in this streaming age. I'm Michael Schneider, and on this edition of the Variety Awards Circuit podcast, directors Jane Campion of the Oscar-nominated The Power of the Dog and Guillermo del Toro of Oscar-nominated Nightmare Alley swap stories about filmmaking in what's already the third decade of the 21st century. But first, our Award Circuit Roundtable discusses the rise of CODA and more as we head into another awards-filled weekend with the DGA and Critics' Choice. It's all next on this edition of the award-winning Variety Awards Circuit Podcast. Stay close. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to this latest edition of the Variety Awards Circuit Roundtable. We're back remotely. It was too good to be true. You got us one week in person. They had to tear us apart again. It just wasn't working out. So we're back in boxes staring at each other. But nonetheless... I am Michael Schneider from Variety, joined as always by Janelle Riley.
1: Hello.
0: I could tell is about to go moderate something. She's she looks ready. She's (laughs) rested. She always
1: (laughs) like this. I always have my hair and makeup (laughs) done and a ring light in my face for you people. (laughs) Just for the
0: podcast. I know. I keep telling you this is an audio medium, but I appreciate you coming to play. Jazz Tanke back from Santa Barbara. Welcome, welcome. Woohoo!
4: I wasn't happy I mean it wasn't. No one applied as such. Just I have to put that out there because because pe- you know, people would think, hey, Jazz went to Santa Barbara for fun. Just
0: for exactly. the artists and the world. You were working. You were working hard for get handed out some variety awards as well. So and the legend himself, Clayton
5: Davis. That's the artist formerly known as Clayton Davis, because this won't last long.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
5: this season. Eight, 18 more days, guys. From time of recording, 18 more days, it's almost over. And then Emmys.
1: Wow. We're already Yay. in Emmys, frankly. I did a big yep. Emmy event last night and and realized, wow, it's happening.
5: Someone pitched, me Emmy, someone pitched me an Emmy story and I said, no. I just said, no, I was like, no, <laughs> stop, yet. I was like, stop. Yeah. I know. I'll, I'll talk to you in 18 days, do not speak to me now.
4: <laughs> they were like, can you moderate this? And I'm like, oh wait, no, because I just can't. Like, it just doesn't work. Yeah, talk to us in 18 days, Janelle. Fair play to you. I don't know how
1: you do it, but you. Well, were... it was Pam and Tommy. I wasn't going to say no. And it was also at the Greek <laughs> Theater, which I had never been to before. Twenty plus years in LA, yeah. and I'd never been to the Greek Theater.
0: You've never been to the Greek? Nope. Well,
1: no, I've
4: I did, never been there.
0: I've uh, I've seen a couple shows there. It's a lovely, lovely venue. It's
1: a great venue, and it was a very fun panel because I had this awesome cover story by Michael Schneider to really help me with uh, the Pam and Tommy Cues.
0: You know, uh, it's funny, speaking of Zooms and, and the world we live in now, I did that big cover story. I've done, done multiple stories about Pam and Tommy, but I've never met any Get of them.
1: out! Really? I I, I, oh my God. I have seen Lily on stage numerous times, but this was the first time I met her. I, I know Sebastian from way back, even before I knew he was an actor. We have mutual friends and and Seth Rogen, you know, but Seth Rogen was very, very funny last night. And even when he wasn't funny, people would laugh <laughs> because he's just got that Seth Rogen voice.
5: Um, I saw uh, Sebastian Stan at the Indie Spirits Awards. He Yeah. Was, right. Yeah. And he saw me and uh, second time I've seen it. I haven't seen him since I, Tonya, So it's been a few years. Wow, uh, He's still delightful. He's still too good looking for his own good.
1: He's a yeah. wonderful, wonderful person. And I'm yeah. so excited that, People are recognizing him for the great character actor he is.
0: Yeah. He's so good in this. Absolutely. Well, I think Hulu just wants to keep me away from them for some reason. (laughs) That's all right. That's all right. They can all go off and do their own thing. So, so gang, what are we talking about this week? There's a lot going on in the universe. I will, I do want to begin by saying, uh, I watched Coda I loved Coda and Yay. I do feel like I watched it as at an opportune time because there definitely is momentum with that little movie, Clayton Davis.
5: Yes. Yes. The little movie that could, I'm so happy that you saw it. I'm so happy you liked it. Cause I think it proves a point of like, it's, it's just delightful. It's, it's not groundbreaking cinema. It's not like going to change the medium. It's just good old fashioned tugging on your heartstrings movie. And I think it has momentum, and I think it's in a very, very good spot now.
1: Which I've been saying for weeks, yeah, and, yeah. and well, I feel like I've been trying to convince people, but the SAG Ensemble win, yeah, really because it did both. It long wasn't long, even, like if
5: it, it's funny. If I think it just did just Ensemble, I don't think we would be here. It was honestly just winning both, and that, and they've been working it well. They're super likable. And the Academy loves to do something nice without being forced to do it. You get to be very diverse and inclusive without us shaming you to do it. And they like that. And it does great on a preferential ballot. But we have to say, as everyone keeps pointing out to me on the Internet, because the Internet's like losing their shit over the possibility that this could happen. What? It, the Internet? <laughs> the Internet is a is a bad place. Uh, it will shatter Historical stats. Like only one film in history has won Best Picture without winning or without being nominated in any artisan category. And that was Grand Hotel in the early 30s. And it was only nominated for Best Picture and Best Picture Only.
1: See, when I uh, hear that though, I think, well, we're due for another th- for like use these stats for reasons that can happen, but I feel like we're Breaking a new rule every other year.
5: If there's precedent, yeah. then yeah. it's
1: well, possible. Even if there is isn't
4: precedent. There's, is yeah. and I just think like the love for this film. I mean, it's such a woman film. Like Mike, you know, you said you saw. I was speaking to my poor therapist. You know, she's been waiting. Your poor therapist. <laughs> my poor <laughs> oh. therapist. And it's like, oh, I've seen Coda, and it was just like <laughs> random to you, everybody needs to see this right now Janelle and Clayton like kissing their pants quite little <laughs> so, you
1: know, but a
4: therapist every
0: day
5: of the oh, week is. oh <laughs> can you imagine four therapists I gotta talk to you about wow. every category and how it's yeah.
1: it's,
0: it's exactly. a reality show where it's a panel of therapists who <laughs>
5: one by one judge you and, this is a show oh, by the way but anyway that's back a here, show um, no, I yeah, no, but you're right, though. There, if there's precedent, it's possible. And by the way, like one film has been has one film has won without a DJ nomination, Driving Miss Daisy, weirdly uh, feels similar in that little kind of way. Just lighthearted, like family film, I guess. Um, and then obviously it doesn't have editing. It, it doesn't like have Golden Globe, like there's like Golden Globe director and screenplay. There's all these things. That people bring up. I get it. It's not we're also in this new age where we're seeing stats fall every year. And yes, like maybe when after this weekend, after Bath and Critic's Choice, we'll all look back and say, Okay, it was it was just Belfast or Power the Dog. Sure, but I but it's definitely top three. It's definitely oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Is.
1: And I, I suspect Power of the Dog will have a good weekend with the DGA awards and maybe choice and
5: bathroom. and bathroom, yeah. yeah. I think he's gonna have a really good weekend yeah. there. Can I can I can I share something with you just slightly off topic, but definitely on topic, and it's for Janelle specifically. Do you know what I'm feeling the hugest surge for uh, right now? Uh
1: well what? I have a guess. Is it King Richard?
5: It's specifically on Janelle's.
1: Uh, duh! Oh, Again, like, I feel like Cassandra all year long. Saying- we're
5: finally coming to Janelle's side. Like <gasps> <come> to Janelle.
1: <laughs> it's exhausting being. So
5: there. I, I was at the Academy luncheon. Yeah. And if I had to like get an applause meter of like rating who had got the biggest applause in the room, it it engulfed in flames when ingenue ellis's name was called to walk oh, onto the stage she
1: has been doing this for years she's always been amazing if if you vote for will smith and it looks like i i still think best actor is pretty open to be well not open but i think it's it's down to three, three actors but if you're voting for will smith like all those SAG voters did it's really hard not to vote for ingenue ellis mm-hmm. it's and, really hard not and, and i that. think
5: the, the thing that the hump for her is and this is just just even came up today i was talking to uh, an academy voter everyone always says the woman that was with will smith they can never just rat- rattle her name off her, uh, their lips so i'm not saying that's like the the nail in the coffin but it it says something that like they can't even like say her name just yet and they should and they will and they should have done it for years but i do think but i feel it and i wonder she could hop in front of Ariana.
1: Ariana, though, I have, I mean, I know we're all in agreement in this. She's just so fantastic.
5: It's she's both so it's fantastic. Re- it's yeah. really-
1: so, either one, I will be. Yeah.
5: Happy. Yeah. We all win.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, Ariana's okay, so then, having yeah, a moment yeah. too, right? I mean, she's continuing to have a moment. So, and I want yeah.
4: if if she wins the Oscar,
1: I'm going to pretend it's also for Schmigadoon.
4: <laughs> yes. Thank you. Another Schmigadoon <laughs> yeah. fan in the. I was going to say family, generally, you know, like
5: family. In. Yeah. <laughs>
4: yes.
5: But yeah, so look, looking ahead, DGA. All right. So we have DGA on Saturday. Jane Campion prediction. I think we're all on that. Who your upset pick is may vary because I still think there's a world that Denny Villeneuve snub yep. has rippled yeah. through the industry and it pulls a Ron Howard Apollo 13. Yep.
1: yep. I think I think if there's Pretty going much. to be a spoiler, that would probably be it. Or it could always be Steven Spielberg because he's Steven Spielberg. West Side Story is amazing and people are finally figuring that out because it's on HBO Max, is it?
5: No, Disney, Disney Plus. Plus.
1: Disney Yeah, yeah.
5: But coincidentally, by the way, uh, I also think it, there is a world where Kenneth Branagh does it. And the reason why I think Jane has kind of run away in our minds with director is that we all can't agree on who else it could be. And I feel like maybe we've just been overthinking it. Like, yeah, it's probably just Kenneth Branagh. So if Kenneth Branagh went, went, wins DGA, you would have to do a very sound argument to convince me that Belfast is not winning picture director and original screenplay.
1: And then I'm just going to throw that out, out if the a other really contender work. happens to win, Paul Thomas Anderson, I would definitely not be unhappy. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Yeah, so that's DJ this weekend. Um hey Mike, uh do you think uh um, Mike, wake up over there? But suce- Mike, do you think succession is gonna win uh, a DJ?
1: <laughs> See, it's funny because it's the only show nominated.
0: I think Coming to America might pull it off somehow. Oh, oh
4: very has been listening
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: and
5: paying attention. Yeah, uh, uh Oh my yeah gosh. no no
0: that that that'll be a, an easy category it, it just comes down to who on the show obviously but huh.
5: that was really lazy by the way it was re- i was really upset by that like no
1: line. it's just that it's that good and mm. i am rooting for um Lorena Scarfia.
5: oh hustler's director for anyone who doesn't mm-hmm.
1: know and good she and she directed the wonderful birthday episode jeremy uh, sorry not jeremy strong kendall roy's 40th birthday Ooh.
5: Uh, looking at Critics' Choice, which takes place on Sunday, I think Power of the Dog will have a good day there because it's not preferential balloting, it's one vote, one thing per category. And I swear to God, if there's a tie, I'm gonna throw a fork in the middle of the ceremony.
4: And you have a great table to throw it from.
5: Yep.
1: I'll oh, so you're both allowed actually inside the room. I understand because I know uh, yes, I,
5: well. I will be inside the room, hope, hoping. For hopes on certain things happening so we're gonna cross the field but i think power of the dog's gonna have a good day uh, i think will's gonna win and i think this is kristen stewart's last stand for best
1: actress you think See, i think andrew garfield has a really good shot he's with, with critics he's a yeah. spoiler well or or i will always say it's it's three it's three people's benedict cumberbatch will smith and andrew garfield but it had a, I knew that Will would win SAG. Well, I thought Andrew might, because I actually yeah. do love that movie. But I think the critics, the critics yeah. really love I th- Andrew. I, yeah,
5: I think they tend to like just kind of fall in line kind of thing. I, I, Andrew is a spoiler. And it, it would have been interesting to see what could have happened if he was nominated at BAFTA, if they didn't do this stupid jury thing. Because I think he, he was a big threat to make the turn and like get it all on him. But yeah, I think Will's going to win Critic Choice. I think Benedict's going to win BAFTA. But I think I think it's not going to matter. And you just yeah,
1: think it's Will all the way?
5: I think it's Will all the way. Yeah, it's just one of those things. I think it's just going to happen. But Actress is wide open. Kristen Stewart's going to win there. I think Renata Renziv is going to win at BAFTA for Worst Person ah, in the World, me. which is going to maybe help it in international feature to beat Drive My Car.
1: I also okay. want to throw out there's a there's another international film that people really love, which is Hand of God. Now, yes. he, Paolo Sorrentino has won before for The Great Beauty. Um, there hasn't been as much talk maybe around that film as Worst Person in the World and Drive My Car, but it just wouldn't surprise me.
5: It's also one of the two international nominees that isn't that's only nominated an international feature the three others have multiple nominations flea obviously in three um and lunana which is also lunana is actually a really good um i feel like if you're voting for coda i feel like you're voting for lunana i feel like they're like also just feel connection. good like there's like, a weird connection i just see it uh but troy kotzer i think is going to take critics choice if he takes bafta it's really over but i think karen Hines is going to win bafta
1: troy kotzer picked up the independent spirit award this weekend too. He's should- he did
4: Collecting he, hardware.
5: he's such a prom king i love him i love him so <laughs> people much people
4: really love him so i much. mean he's yeah. very lovable
5: uh by the way kieran hines guest this week on the podcast i was with him at an award ceremony recently and he was uh doing a uh, um a tribute to jude hill little Aww. young jude hill and he called him his grandson And on the podcast this week, I asked him, is there an application I can fill out for this grandpa, Kieran Hines? Because I would totally (laughs) like you to be my grandfather because he's the best. He's like amazing. And I think a lot of people love him and respect him. He's also, I think, a threat. I think he's a threat to win, sort of. But Troy really has gained some momentum. And I think he's kind of making a run.
2: It
1: seems to be down to Troy and obviously the wonderful Cody Smith McPhee. But I have to tell you who I think could surprise is Jesse Plemons. The respect people have for Jesse Plemons and the love they have for that guy. And he has, I think, the line of the movie.
5: He is, is the line of the movie. It's, yeah. it's also, it also came on a mug. This yeah, really? So, I'm uh, a, yes. Really?
4: Netflix would be Swag.
5: Um, wait, so, wait, just a question. Do, wait, Do so you think Jesse's the threat to an After or a threat to an Oscar? Threat to an Oscar. Really?
1: Yeah, hmm. I think it's I I think it's fairly locked. It's the closest thing I would have for sure thing for Troy. Right. Or, sorry, let me rephrase that. I I think that all these categories are unpredictable. The closest one that seems like a lock is Troy for Coda, but okay. people are looking at Cody as the spoiler, and I'm just saying Jesse Plemons is right there.
5: Yeah, well, I think they're just mm-hmm. splitting votes one another. There's, I think yeah. I think Jesse was actually a bad thing for Cody going forward i think they're just pulling votes but we'll see what we'll see what happens and then other than that um voting open next opens next thursday uh so then we will be left in flux uh next week and then uh michael will be looking at any season where anything can happen because that is crowded it
0: this month is crowded. I was just looking at just all the March and April premieres and it's it's a lot. It is a lot. Um exciting, but
5: jam-packed. Can we also just reflect nicely on the after party? I was just the, gonna I was say like, I have
1: my after parties. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only cookie. swag I get is my uh, after party cookie, which is delicious, by the
0: way. Wait, the how long have you replaced. had that cookie? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well funny story apparently it was sent to the office sometime between my last time there and uh-huh. my return which was a little over a week but it's it's tightly packaged i'm not okay. too worried
5: all right all right but thank you uh for the after party and i can't wait for season two with tiffany haddish it's going to be spectacular and lord miller just don't stop making stuff.
1: And bring back Walt. He needs to be in every season.
5: Is there an yeah. Emmy? Is there an Emmy nom for Walt in the few, Like, is there a way we can get that to happen? Justice for Walt. Like, n- you have no idea how I think he's like probably the second greatest thing of the show. After yeah. behind
1: what? Ben Schwartz. Ben
5: Schwartz. Yeah. Ben Schwartz. Yeah. By, like, listen, no, no disrespects. I love Sam Richardson. I love them all. But Ben Schwartz musical episode probably. Like, my favorite moment, I'll even give you the moment, my favorite moment on television since um, New Girls Season 2, when they all danced the chicken dance slowly to the Phil Collins song.
0: Groovy kind (laughs) of love. Groovy kind of love,
4: yeah. Oh my goodness. Wow.
0: Um, that I mean, it is an all-time fantastic episode, and the music is so yeah. strong. And uh, but but I do think that it would be out of out of character for Walt to be recognized by the Emmys. I think the goal is like <laughs> Emmy voters won't even right. notice that he he's there. He has to be ignored. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, I'll just say my favorite line of the TV season is on Ghosts when Hetty is complimenting uh, uh, Rose McIver's character, and she says she would have made a great lawyer had she not. Pursued journalism and been born
0: a woman. <laughs> I actually, i <haven't laughs> Ghost, Ghost, Ghost is great. Abbott Elementary is great. I mean, the list oh, goes on. So oh, oh I, have I haven't. The, it's, the drop out everybody. right now.
4: <gasps> Inventing Anna's Wait, great.
5: Wait, talk about so, the wait. Go back to the out for a minute, because I because I'm March 28th is when I'm starting to watch TV again. So wait, <laughs> how how great is is Amanda spectacular on yes. that? Like, she, she is. She's fantastic. Good yeah.
1: And really? and. They and it's not a cardboard cutout of a character. Like you actually empathize with her in weird ways. And they sent yeah. me a juicer. Did you get a juicer, Mike?
5: Um, Maybe. <laughs>
1: oh.
5: <laughs> he, he, he hasn't gone back to the office yet either.
1: <laughs> well, um, it also came with fresh vegetables, what, what, so if you haven't gotten. I, I
5: hate always putting you guys in this position. What's better, dope sick or the dropout? Oh, that's. Here's I the mean, thing. yeah, okay. <laughs> go, now. Is it just is it?
1: Michael Keaton is the best male performance
5: Okay,
1: I've seen. But as, a, but as
5: a show. <laughs> See, they
0: both can
1: coexist. I haven't finished. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't. Right now I have to say Dope Sick only because I haven't finished the dropout. Okay. And Dope Sick just did things I did not expect and haven't seen in a long time. But But I'm really enjoying the dropout.
0: Yeah, I would say Dopesick is it feels important. It's it's yeah. compelling. It tells mm. a story that's like just has so much depth to it. Dropout's just fun, and it like is. Janelle was saying, I, I I hate to say it, but I'm kind of coming around on Elizabeth Holmes now. I kind of get like how right? she ended up being this fabulous. and and so you can just kind of see how she ended up down the, that that path. The episode where Amanda Seyfried uh, practices the voice and starts like. Like, you know, just like Elizabeth Holmes when she kind of perfected that deeper, hi, I am Elizabeth Holmes, uh, CEO of Theranos.
5: It's just, it's compelling
0: TV. All I will
1: say is it's all William H. Macy's fault.
5: (laughs) (laughs) William H. Macy, he is is a bad man. His
1: character in that show. Oh, I just want to,
4: I will say I did like Winning Time, Mike. I don't know. You were at the premiere. Yeah. It was with Cynthia. I like that. Winning Time is great. it made me yeah. want to go to like a Lakers game. I've been here seven years. I think I'm officially now a Lakers fan, and I've never been to a Lakers game. And I was like, "Oh my gosh, this history is incredible." Um, Bill, and I Bill. do.
0: Bill Jazz. John C. Riley as Doctor <laughs> Bus, so is fantastic. Uh, and you know, the Bus family should be sending like flowers to HBO for you know they they this show is really it's it's sweetening up the image. I mean, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bus was not nearly as good a guy as this show is making him out to be but you need a hero you need a compelling story and i get it um so we'll, we could talk all day about tv but we got to wrap things up and i know you all have places to go janelle's about to go moderate her 80th panel of uh, no week. she
5: dressed up for us <laughs> oh that's right that's
0: right <laughs> <laughs> this Clean is true. my house too um but uh have a great weekend everyone we'll catch you next week Bye. bye, bye. 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 After the break, directors Jane Campion and Guillermo del Toro. From Los Angeles, this is the Award Circuit Podcast.
1: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
3: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
4: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps)
5: No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
4: Play for
1: free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: And we're back. It's the Award Circuit Podcast. I'm Michael Schneider. On a recent episode of Variety's Directors on Directors series, Guillermo del Toro and Jane Campion got together to swap stories about Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, the loneliness of directing, and Guillermo's Rain Room. You can watch this interview in its entirety on Variety's YouTube page, or you can listen to it right now. We begin with del Toro digging into what intrigued him about Campion's film.
3: I have so much to ask about your movie. You know, I don't want to ask the the usual stuff. I want to be very pointed. Yeah. Because I was fascinated, I've always... Want
2: to get my ideas,
5: right? (laughs) Open up the gate, let him out. You sure he's not ready? Go on, let him out. It's just a man, Peter. Only another
3: man. (laughs) Your portraiture of men is so acute. And uh, every time I see your (laughs) movies, I'm, uh, I'm very affected by it. And one way or another, I find it really precise, but really compassionate and brutal at the same time, meaning it's unsparing. And this one, the composition of the character of Benedict, I could not imagine before seeing the movie, him doing that part, but you did. So how did you choose him?
2: Well, I think one of the excitements is having an actor that you can't imagine coming to the performance that they do. Mm -hmm. I mean, the calculation that I made was that Benedict is an amazing actor. Yeah,
3: certainly
2: is. And he's a very charismatic man and intelligent, and he had the hunger
3: yeah,
2: to do something with, I think, a lot of challenge in it for him. He just didn't want to be disappointed with someone who was going to just walk in on the day and, you know, not have done the research and needed someone who's hungry. For that depth. For that courage and that depth. Yeah. And I was also sort of had this instinct that, you know, we had to do some psyche work together, mm-hmm. something... That went further than normal. <laughs> <laughs> and I sort of asked around and found out about this woman called Kim Gillingham, mm-hmm. who does dream work, and she's trained by Sandra Seacat and Marion Woodman, um, who's a really amazing Canadian Jungian therapist. Because I, I really felt that oh, we my three favourite words:
3: <laughs> the, Canadian <laughs> Jungian
2: therapist. I mean, okay, I not want not an to, ice cream.
3: My four favorite yeah.
2: words. We had to build him from the psyche up. And I also needed to be opened up to the depths of the story. Like I was sort of sitting on the edge of this amazing novel. You know, Thomas Savage who lived the life and thinking, oh my God, how am I going to get inside, you know, be inside it? Yeah. And, and, and we did it through our dreams, both wow. of us. What, yeah.
3: what do you mean by that? Like you, you, you analyze your dreams and...
2: I had the dreams, I wrote them down. I met with her and she sort of got me to lie down, soothing music and everything. And then she started, you know, with the script to facilitate almost a discussion between myself as Phil Uh and Jane, the director. Wow. She said, Jane, you're Phil now. And she said, so as Phil, what would you want to tell Jane about, what she needs to know to tell your story? Wow, wow. Beautiful. And immediately I said, you know, like I was so harsh, I was so tough, saying to, you know, the Jane, the director, you know, well, that bitch has got to get real. <laughs> She's got to take off that little white scientific coat of hers wow. and get dirty, just get in the dirt because like that's the truth, you know. Yes. And I know and I was going, wow, yes, I do, yeah. I mean, it, so it was really just facilitating the conversation clearly Um that would be very hard to do alone between myself and an imagined character. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever done anything like that?
3: Well, I do it through biographies. I write biographies that are, that are most of the time useless after seven days of shooting, <laughs> but, but I go into the most detail I can. What of, the the, of the characters. Of the characters. Astrological sign, what they eat, what they don't eat, what they like, what they don't like. And sometimes they're useful for the actor. Sometimes the actor... It starts on it and we move away. But I find I find that most of the time I, I like thinking that I'm writing a part of myself. Whatever we do is self-portraiture in a strange way. But uh, what I find fascinating about uh, the, the work is you do that to internalize the character, but then there's no possibility that those footsteps were accidental. The way he walked the way he had like a metronome of masculinity, <laughs> the way he carried himself. Yeah. He's a funny character. He's a very uh, convoluted character because he's very direct and truthful. Yes. Because he's suffocating something that he cannot reveal. Yes. It's a really interesting character.
2: That's so interesting actually that you say that because he's so brutal with people that are hiding themselves and you know, the whole time yes. he's hiding himself. Yes. But he's like yeah, a truth seeker. people that are pretending, you know. Yeah.
3: He hates that.
2: Yeah, he hates, he hates that. And he hates
3: frailty, and he hates, but but that ultimately is so, what is great about it, look, first of all, Benedict is, has verbal pyrotechnics, pyrotechnics yeah. but he uses them in a concussive way
2: here. Yeah.
3: It's short, yeah. brief, brutal punches yeah. when he talks.
5: Now, gentlemen, look, see, that's what you do with the cloth. Oh.
0: It's uh, 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 really just for wine drips. Oh, you got that, boys?
5: Only for the drip.
2: (laughs) I think Phil would be a really sort of frightening guy to be around because he could turn on you, you know? And he could speak truth to you that's pretty uncomfortable. Um, On the other hand, I sort of, there's a kind of poetic harshness to him that I kind of love.
3: He has the dichotomy in himself of everything he loves and everything he hates. Mm. And what speaks loudest is what he keeps quiet. And and at the same time, he's an he's a character that either is has to be completely alone, or is in a strange way very high maintenance. Everything has to cater <laughs> to him being in an environment that he
2: and it's so finds. fragile actually because he yeah. he can't manage to be alone or by himself without his brother, without his support. Yeah. You know,
3: which I mean, he despises
2: I in a way, Fatso, Yeah, but loves him. He feels like he's his protector. That without um, with. You know, Jesse's character, George, without Phil being there, Jesse wouldn't survive. So he actually doesn't see his brother truthfully at all, that he's grown away and Mm -hmm. that he's looking for perhaps a life of his own. (laughs) Yeah. After all, these I mean, sharing a bedroom. These guys have, you know... Because it's our mirror, right? Yeah. I
3: mean, the the reality, I think when we look look at people truthfully, their windows, when we look at them lying in their mirrors, and what we... Hate about ourselves is what comes back. And what is what is impossible is that he wouldn't survive without us. Yeah,
2: that's right. And he is um, incapable of admitting that. Yeah, he, he would, couldn't admit it. I mean, but he's really suffering. Mm-hmm. I mean, in a way, you know, I'm sitting here with you, the man who's the expert on the emotional monster.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> and he really is a monster. He
3: is a he he's is the monster. Easy. And I
2: have a lot of love for monsters. Yes. And I think <laughs> everyone, a friend of you mine, do. You friend do of mine said... One to me after he said, oh, I love Phil. Is there something wrong with me? Am I wrong? <laughs> I loved him. No, I, I loved said, him too. And I said, he is a monster. You know, like all monsters have that issue of that they can't live in the world, really. Can't yeah. be accepted.
3: Yeah, The ultimate uh, self-imposed exile. Yeah. In, in a way that is either very resolvable mm. or completely unsolvable.
2: Do you think it's because we all feel ourselves to be monsters in a way? I think, I think if, if you are
3: made of a certain texture, you crack when you're young, and and, when, and that crack, more often than not, is not acknowledged and stays open. And the same goes for my character in Mind Morel, is that that is a guy that has uh, David Stratton says it very clearly. You have a crack, and if they did a number on you, it's a void, and then you cannot fill it with anything. This is the Bradley. Yeah, Bradley's character. Bradley's character. Because because I think ultimately there's a thing called Kintsuge which is a Japanese art of repairing something by exposing the fracture and gilding it. Mm. And that's what we thats what we ultimately choose to do as storytellers. We gild that fracture with the stories, but we know it
2: is there. So we show it.
3: We show it. Yeah. We, instead of hiding it, yeah. which is extremely dangerous. We take our curiosity to it. it. We go.
2: <laughs> I was interested in, you know, the beginning of your film, which you returned to several times. He's doing something it looks to be like something really terrible criminal, yes. you know?
3: And little by little. And little
2: by little you discover, well, what I discovered was that, you know, it was more complicated maybe that yeah, I wasn't really sure that there was some yeah. father issues that the yeah. father had been very tough on him and yeah. now he was taking his revenge or Basically, something. Basically,
3: whenever I've had meetings for the last 30 years, yeah, and people say, we have to give the audience answers mm-hmm. right away. So that I said, no, we have to have questions right away. Yeah. To give them, and to me, I said, what, what can what can the image be that opens with the most questions for the rest of the movie? Well, he's dragging a corpse yeah. on the beginning of the movie, and then he burns it, you know? Yeah. And, and then you want to know what happened, and then what is revealed is actually emotionally, for me, more yeah. revealing than just a crime. We all carry our corpses, Does, you know?
2: Was this film of yours like, I mean, I noticed that the father issues were brought up yeah. a, a few times. Yes. Is that something you wanted to explore in this or well, something d- you dad, particularly personally?
3: Yeah, my dad passed away after a oh. ship of water. And uh, and it's not about the real father. It's not
2: about my so father. So you didn't cremate like it,
3: No, <laughs> but, no but, it, but it's like the right. Jungian father to use, you know, it's the shadow mm. that is cast upon you. It's not about anecdotally how you got along with my, my your dad. My dad yeah. and I got along really well. But it's, it's, it's the shadow of that, how you explore it the issues of how you behave in the world when facing what we face every time we do a movie is, how much can I be truthful about myself and how I see the world without being afraid? And a character that decides to lie and be a populist and he's never had enough in the movie. And that that was what intrigued me, you know? And he never solves the basic problems he has.
2: Yeah, no, he doesn't, I mean, uh He's like, he's just like a kind of badass, right? Yeah. Right, from the word go. I mean, he's attractive, he's handsome.
3: He's a maybe. That's the way we put it, a maybe. Which is a torture because everybody wants that person to be better.
2: He's it's looking, impossible. what, to succeed? Yes. Um, well, the flip in any way, way possible, really.
3: Yeah. When they said, what is it about? I said, the Ameri- what is Nightmare, Ali, about? I said, about the American dream. The flip side of that is yeah. a nightmare for most people, really. The the one of the myths I fear the most is the, and I find torturous is the idea of success. I think it's such a. So you've been torture.
2: tortured a bit lately.
3: Well, <laughs> not, and well, if you if you if yeah. you buy that, if you yeah. buy that, the path that you choose, right, is is the success, F- fucking up in your own terms, I guess. Yeah.
2: So not allowing it to be in the hands of others to decide whether you're successful or not. Which is, again, again,
3: what's interesting for me about the juxtaposition of the two brothers and uh, Kristen Dunn's character is really the fact that you can be happy with very little or you can never be happy, no matter what you get. And the ending is so good, I won't reveal it, (laughs) but it's so (laughs) incredible that is, I mean, I will say this, uh, you see them kiss for the first time at, at the end. Yeah. The couple. Yeah. And it's so magnificent that you do that.
2: I realize, yeah, I didn't even think that, uh, yeah, that was the
3: first kiss we saw. And it is the first kiss. <laughs> I'm looking and I go, how did she do that? How did she do this? You know, and, and I, it's very much seared in my memory.
2: That's nice. I mean, I felt that about um, reading the book, that the way Thomas Savage went through the story and I think the depth of it and propulsion that it gathered towards the end when you really don't know what's going to happen. And when I got to the end, you know, I thought, oh, well, I wasn't expecting that. Yes. I actually had to flick back through and make sure I understood things properly. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, okay, but it kept coming back to me. You know, so I, th- I think it really is in the strength of the book and, and his storytelling. It's that very rare thing when you get form and content working so freaking well together. Yeah. And that's what excited me about that. It does. Property. It's very rare, so rare. And in a story, it's the best thing, you know, when you get formal content working, like, excellently. like I always say, Casablanca is a film that does that really well.
3: I think both our movies work. Mine was a prologue. Yeah. All movie's a prologue to the last two minutes. Yes. For me. And that's the way I constructed it. I said, the important thing is, in the last two minutes, you realize, oh, this is what it was all about. This is him. And yours too. The last uh, three minutes, you go, oh, and you realize... You want to see it again, yeah. to see those things enact. But uh, was that
2: in your book as well? Was was that?
3: Yes, yes, that's, rather, that's in it? the book. The, the yeah. book is an interesting book because William Lindsay Gresham was a very interesting guy. He comes into uh, American letters right at the crossroads of psychoanalysis, the Tarot, the end of uh, sort of the myth of prosperity, and mm-hmm. right after the depression. He went to the Spanish Civil War. He was seeking an answer. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the answer he got was not great, and he committed suicide. Oh. But it was an answer for him. does an autobiography, Obliquely, on Nightmare Alley. I wanted to tell, ask you, because uh, what I found fascinating, you shot New Zealand for Montana, and it's, it's almost like a time machine to shoot in New Zealand for
2: me. Oh, you know New Zealand, so yeah, you've been know there. I mean, yeah, I have to say, I was like, not happy about the idea of shooting montana in new zealand like to begin with i was really resistant and just saying well what the hell are you doing to me i am finally got this american story and i want to tell it to montana thanks you know yes it's got to be american you know the pressures of the budget the pressures of actually creating it in, in 1925 uh, there is no such thing in montana like the ranch we needed yes. it just doesn't exist so To build that in Montana would have been about twice as much as what it was in New Zealand. We did this experiment where I I went around and looked for locations in New Zealand and then went to Montana and looked around at the actual ranch where Thomas Savage lived, which I was like shaking the day we went to see that thinking, oh, you know, like, oh, yeah, let this be the place. (laughs) You know. (laughs) But I got there and the house had been removed and put somewhere else and I thought, oh, we could just move the house back. But when we went to see the house, it was really just a like a quadruple um, kit home, and it didn't have the fantasy, or how I thought really Thomas Savage spoke about it in his book. Don't think. One, two, three, to the side. One, two, three, and back.
3: One, two, three. The way you coded the wardrobe and the set design and the production yeah. design and the landscape, you, it's almost like and color-coded in a way that makes it uh, have a patina.
2: Yeah, you know, I wanted it in black and white because and I couldn't close. believe that we could get such a good color palette out of what we were going. You know, I just thought it was going to be ugly. It was going to be a mess because I'm, like, very fussy about that sort of thing. I'm ex-art school. Yes. Are you ex-art school? Are you ex-like. I looked it up. Makeup prosthetics, which is so
3: well, amazing. Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and, and story of order and all that, yeah. I, I mean, the worlds way. you
2: create are so delicious. And, and I, I want to live as, in them, basically. Okay. Is your house like that, or do you make your home, no, your yeah.
3: home modern, or is no, it? No, no, my house is exactly like an exploded view of my brain. I mean, I have the family I home. read
2: that you've got a room where you just want raining oh, all the time. Is the, that for real?
3: Yes. Uh, and, the, and the house <laughs> is, uh, believe me, I'll, I'll, I'll show you. The detail, I mean, when, when he goes by the window, yeah. I have the rope used in case of fire. Yeah, uh, Those details are priceless.
2: They're beautiful, and, and you oh, can... thank you for that, because people go like, why, why do we have to show this? Okay. Oh. I don't know, we're showing it again. Okay. You know, like no. sometimes you can't explain. No, no, that no. no. this that, is a suggestion of a... Um, that's a world. Yeah, thank
3: you. Yeah. It's, it's the unnecessary detail that is necessary. When you have the same shirt, and it's buttoned all the way up, or one button down, or two buttons down, mm-hmm. it's exactly a different story, each of those details. And the pristine presence, when they arrive and the... Uh, Christendom's character acquires this gold little lamé robe yeah. that yeah. is completely incongruous. Quite cheap, yeah. yeah but it's <laughs> that idea of elegance. And then the mayor and his wife come in like negative spaces of black. Yeah. But funereal, but in- impeccable. And you know they're out of their league. Oh, it's completely,
2: character. like with the little cocktails and yes. orange blossoms. With the with the little umbrellas. I know, then they can, can't even make conversation for a second.
3: It's a fascinating thing because she's taken to a better life, right? And it's really, yeah. that, and, and at that moment she becomes a prisoner.
2: Yes, she is. And But, you know, she's also like thinking for her son, his better life. Yeah, I think that's a, a very important thing yeah. for her. He has the journal where he's cutting out things and imagining his mother getting married again.
3: He's such an house. interesting character.
2: Yeah.
3: In such a, how did you find this actor?
2: Well, he's Australian, actually, originally. So um, I was aware of his work right from the beginning as a kid. Fascinating. And what a beautiful face he had. And, Otherworldly. Yeah. I thought he probably was going to be too old for us, so I was looking a lot for an unknown kid that could come up because in Australia and New Zealand, you know, like they're out of Hollywood, so they're more natural kids. Yes. You know, they are, you can find someone who's not just trying to be hip and mm-hmm. balls all the time. But we could not find a kid that felt right. And He's ageless. I started to think he has about no this. You know, we, we have to find Cody. And then I saw in our art book, because I love to look at art books to be influenced in a not sort of like photographic way, but in a more emotional way. Mm-hmm. Look at a painting. I looked at this painting by a um, guy called Strickland, and it, it looked like Cody, and it looked like our boy. And I went, we've got to find Cody. When we go to L.A., I'm going to audition him. And I was started to haunt him a little bit on his on their Twitter account or whatever accounts they had. And anyway, when we finally met, he came in the door and I I felt so excited, like, there is Peter. And I just started talking to him as if he was Peter. And he took it up straight away. And, you know, I interviewed him about his mother, his life, how he's going to get out of the town. What little lady made these?
0: Actually, I did, sir. My mother was a florist.
3: So I made them to look like the ones in our garden. Oh well, do pardon me. I think the the great uh, aspect of that performance is he's frail,
2: but he's incredibly strong. Scarily strong, actually, in the end. Yeah, I, I you, think you well, can make the remake. Well, we're the, all the too. <laughs> we're all we're all paradoxical.
3: Yeah. I yeah. think all of us we have paradoxes, and I think he is that paradox of uh, because at the same time we say he has a very old soul, yeah, but he's also a kid. He's mm. also a young man. Yeah. You know, and he's very strong and frail at the same time. And Jesse is amazing at playing. Oh, my God, Jesse Plemons.
2: S- simple and so real,
3: And so real.
2: Always real. I and, talked yeah. to him about that. I said, Jesse, how do you get to be you, you know? No. How, how do you do what you do? I mean, It's always real. Yeah, but how, how Jesse? Because it's like at least a few degrees more real than any other actor on the planet. I, I would agree, yeah. He said, oh, well, you know, I went to acting school and... Texas and it's clear that he started he did figure it out for himself you know he may yeah. have not started where yeah. he has ended up That he actually worked his way there to, to being that to be ha, be able to do what he does but
3: it's using it's such a good uh opposing yeah. force because you sense that uh Phil the Benedict the character is revels in being a disappointment <laughs> he like enjoys being in disappointment in a it's almost, almost pre-punk. Disappointing
2: real. his brother and his yes, mother.
3: Yes, yes. I just I want to see how nice it is not to be alone.
2: I'm told a lot that I'm working in the Western genre, yes. and it stops me short a little bit because mm-hmm. it's true. But it's A, not true. I
3: Yes.
2: Yeah. And actually I was really wanting to speak to you about your understanding of genre because it's, mm-hmm. I think, very sophisticated and complex mm-hmm. and um you use it really powerfully. Like you own it. I'm like protest, oh like I'm just telling my <laughs> story. And it <laughs> happens to be have many qualities similar to, you know, the Western genres. But, you know, once you've stepped into that, you are part of it. So, you know. Yeah. Tell me
3: about how you use it. Well, in, the, in, in regards to you, however, you do have recognizable, like you acknowledge the landscape. Uh, not only in the punctuation of the scenes, like yeah. now and then you go and you say, and here's the other character, the mountain, the storm, the clouds. The muscularity. The, the muscularity. Yeah, you, you do acknowledge that. But I think that within that, then you can be free and not try to make a Western in that sense. The same happened to me with when people kept saying it's noir. And I said, well, it's noir only in these aspects. Like for example, noir to me is a philosophy of disappointment, dissolution, and existentialism that is entirely most of the time in the in the hands of the characters. They have to make a choice. It's a very moral genre
2: mm.
3: where you clearly see the character make a moral choice or a number of choices that will lead that character to destiny. Yes, and then it has the weight of destiny. But you saw them constructed.
2: Stanton when he met um, Lilith, Lilith, yeah, Kate Blanchett's character. By the way, she got a little bump on her nose. It looks like, I thought, have they copied Sophia Coppola's nose? <laughs> <laughs>
3: no, but what a what a name, Lilith. Yeah, Lilith, like <laughs> live.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's it's a great name.
3: It's a, Lilith.
2: What's her surname? L-
3: Lilith. Um, Lilith one, Ritter. Too. Yeah, Lilith Ritter, the first, the first uh, yeah. wife of Adam. Yeah. very biblical. Uh, but I think that was the character that created the axis for the movie. It was about doing this sort of mythical...
2: She's like a temptress.
3: For me she's the avenger of reality. Like she comes and tells him, this is who you are, and be ready. And then he finds out who he is.
2: And we also find out she's, you know, a wounded Oh, literally, yes. when. Yes, literally when. Yeah.
3: That was the thing we tried yeah. to do. We tried to make the characters echo each other through scars. But like yeah. he has a scar on his back. Yeah. The unborn baby has a scar in the yeah. center, like her. The unborn the,
2: baby was haunting.
3: Yes. Well, that's. It's almost
2: like a pill in the middle, or like a third
3: eye. I mean, the eyes and circles are, are a repeating motif in the movie, but I. I love that baby so much. And, and I remember Bradley Cooper kept saying, you like that baby so beautiful, so, so
2: yeah. tender. It's like a cupid doll. Like, I like that they actually <laughs> do sell at the carnival. At the carnival, which yeah. are there, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. It's true. It's like, like a, a, perverted, perverted, a perverted, deformed cupid doll. Cupid doll. Yeah. Yes. The detail in your film, my friend, Thank is you. so incredibly rich. Thank you. We, it's, um, we a work feast, the, really. I mean, yeah. how do you work at that? We start with what I call the submarine, which Sub- <laughs> is four people for
3: six months. And we just aboard oh. every, see what I do is I, I want to be completely prepared for the movie and completely unprepared for reality, meaning I prepare everything that I can think of. And then you are playing chess with life and life. Puts you in a checkmate every day.
2: Yeah, I mean, I feel like I maybe don't prepare to the level you do, but I do prepare similarly. Yet I'm still terrified when I get on to the set. Yeah, you know, yeah. I've gone like I've freaking tried to prepare. I've tried to do everything, and I just still don't feel I know what to do at all. What to do at all? And it's not till I'm like I'm driving there with my first assistant, and I'm saying, I don't know what to do. Yes. I don't know how to do this. I've forgotten how to film. Me. I've that forgotten how to right. film. I don't know what to do. And he said, Jane, we're going to do the same thing we always do. Yeah, We're going to put the camera up. We're going to put some people in front of it and we're going to shoot it. Yes. And I'm like, oh, okay, right. <laughs> I just think I can yeah. imagine that. And as soon as that camera gets up, You're in. I suddenly, you know, an almond or whatever, an activated almond, I go, all oh, right. Slow day.
4: Have you not heard?
3: We're at war. I'm aware. Much has been made about uh, the delivery by streaming, yes, and and what uh, they, a good they they're into. doing to this or that. <laughs> or, no, but but yeah. I, I think is there are two yeah. aspects to it. I would love to hear yeah. what you think about it.
2: Well, today is the day that our film, The Power of the Dog, goes onto the streaming giant Netflix mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. in 190 countries. <laughs> yes, and at the same. I time. mean, yeah. It's invisible to me. I have no idea. It's such a strange thing because it's an event that happens in everybody's house um, without me being even aware of it, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, as a user of them, I'm like a whore. I just do anything I want, you know.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I don't watch movies on my phone. So. No, of course not. <laughs> That's well, the limit, I mean, but I'm a greedy little thing, you know, and I'll do what I want. I'll look at it on my, I'll look so- something on my you know, iPad. You know, if it's a if favorite or a special filmmaker, I'll go to a movie.
3: You know, I think that obviously the theatrical experience, which is beautiful and moving, yeah. and uh, is, I, I, I hope it'll never go away. I yeah. hope it'll never go away. It, it will wane and rise. I think so. I think. Yeah. I don't think it's, uh, we all talk about, uh, you know, the world has ended many times. Uh, you know, at the turn of uh, this century or another, yeah. everybody goes into a panic. The world is ending. I think it's just mutating and the storytelling is changing its position in how it's used. Uh, but I at the yeah. end of the day, I hope and I pray that the theatrical uh, possibility continues. I think and it I, will. Yes. Yeah. And at the same time, I must say in my personal story, many of the projects that I would have never been able to shoot have been able to be financed because of this. You know, that, yeah. that, that I can have autonomy yeah. and I can have... Crazy idea, like saying, like I'm, I want to do Pinocchio during the rise of Mussolini in stop motion—a perfectly reasonable pitch for me.
2: Yeah, stop motion. You mean stop like motion, um, like puppets?
3: Puppets, right? Yeah. yeah. And I'm doing it. Yeah. Because it was uh, greenlit by Netflix. Very be beautiful. I, I yeah. couldn't. I couldn't do it for more than a decade. I couldn't yeah. do it any other way. So I'm very grateful that that exists. As a consumer of images and stories, yeah. I'm very grateful that I can uh, access them. And I think to be truthful, uh, a lot of my exposure as a kid to the classical cinema mm. of, of, uh, every, every, uh, every country in the world was through the TV mm. a lot, a lot of it. Then if my hunger was not subsided after that, I would seek the same movie on the big screen mm. and I would see the different experience. Mm. Like 2001, mm. uh, I saw first on a small theater in Mexico, I thought I had seen it, and then I saw it in Cinerama yeah. in the, in Los Angeles, yeah. and I said, "Oh, yeah. turns yeah. out I had not seen this movie." Yeah. Vertigo, same thing. I
2: mean, if you like that. You know, my feeling is that when I look back on my life, or I look at like, I remember moments like you know, peaks of waves yes. that have cemented their cells in my brain, mm. and some of those are in cinemas, you know, and when I remember these moments that were me for me extremely powerful, I remember where I was sitting in the cinema. I remember even what I had on. I, I remember the, the, the type of cinema it was. And it's all a part of the, how the memory works, I think, to encase that moment for me. And I'm afraid that if we watch everything just at home on our TVs or I okay, so yeah. they just they don't have any particularity. They just melt into each other. The big difference for me is... We control the TV
3: yeah. and cinema is in
2: charge of yeah.
3: us when we Which submit. is nice.
2: You have to submit, yeah. yeah. Yes. And submission, I think, is a really powerful thing. We do it in love to our people of we course. love. Yes. I think it's very ungraspable. And so I'm really grateful for being able to also go to the film festivals. Yes. And, of course. you know, to feel film amongst footing. the yeah. audiences, you know, to actually experience their experience because... In so many ways, I I make films as my gift to the world. You know, some people are probably (laughs) yes, they don't even open it. (laughs) Yeah, not for me. Yeah, (laughs) whatever.
3: Jane again with the cake or some crap. uh,
2: Yeah, whatever. (laughs) But you know, there's some people. Well, for my people, I guess the ones ones that like my gift, that is a big deal for me. You know, so you, you 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 know, you want to kind of watch them unwrap it and see if they yes. Put it, on a, oh, wow, I love it. It's, a, know, lo- it's a
3: lonely profession, yeah. director. And you, you're you the one that turns on the light to open yeah. the bar. Yeah. And you're the one cleaning the vomit yeah. at the end of the day. <laughs> and you
2: turn off the I, light and the know, bar. No, that's, so that's you so like to see the customers somewhere. Yeah, yeah, I often think of myself as the caretaker or the janitor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, because there's just so much checking of stuff <laughs> that you have to do. And in the end, you're the one doing it. <laughs> you know, course. like check that print, check I mean, yes. how do you ever make sure that your film is loud enough or not loud enough? I mean, that's so difficult, even just yes. that simple thing. This film would not have been made if Netflix hadn't stepped off of and said, we will take this risk.
3: There you have it. <laughs> Two you know, we, so, you know, We're not going to settle it today.
2: <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I keep saying, well, you know, well, why can't you also have a theatrical release? You know, yes. why? why? Yes. Surely your subscribers would love that too,
3: you know? Let's uh, let's find a solution and look for it.
2: Okay, my friend. (laughs) We're going to continue this, right? Yes, we should. In the rain room. In the rain room. In the rain (laughs) room. Oh, my God.
0: That's Oscar-nominated The Power of the Dog director Jane Campion, whose film is also up for Best Picture, and Nightmare Alley director Guillermo del Toro, also up for Best Picture. And that's it for this edition of Variety's Award Circuit Podcast. Drew Griffith edited this episode, and Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit Podcast at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, head on over to variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest Oscar predictions in key races, as well as your daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. For Jazz Tanke, Janelle Riley, and Clayton Davis, I'm Michael Schneider, and we'll see you on the circuit.